trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 58 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris. This is Paris. Hello. And this is our guest, Adam. Hi, everyone. Um, this time we read All in a Row by Alex Oates, which you might maybe have heard of recently. Yeah, probably. If um, if any of y'all were on Twitter in the last month or two, you probably saw uh, the trending topic, hashtag Puppetgate. Uh, that is at least how we found out about this play, so we decided we would read it because um, it just seemed like it had a a lot of opportunity for discussion um, and for analysis, so that's why we're here today. And uh, Adam, I guess Adam is here today because he himself is a fancy person with a lot of degrees and stuff, and he... Uh, <laughs> is that your official degree? <laughs> yeah, a fancy yeah. person with a lot of degrees. That's how I sign my... That's my email signature. Uh, um, no, but, but he uh, he does picture work... Picture you with a monocle and a wall of just every single... <laughs> but uh, I, can, I can let Adam explain yeah, what he does. Um, I work as a board-certified behavior analyst in the public school setting, but I have history in all sorts of settings where I have done a lot of work with people with autism, um, particularly the kind of autism that we'll be talking about as the char- in the character in the play Lawrence, um, Lawrence has. Um, and I will provide ABA therapy and ABA treatment methodologies for children. And um, I can talk a little bit about what that is very briefly. Um, I feel like if most people who maybe had their interest piqued by this podcast may know, but I'll, for those who don't, I will tell you. Um, ABA therapy is using... Um, principles of behavior that have sort of been proven and that have actually completely been proven in scientific experiments to teach socially significant and adaptive behaviors to people who are um, have not yet maybe or are struggling to develop those things and to reduce challenging behaviors such as aggression, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, um, it's something to know Adam has worked, although he works in public education now, so in like a classroom setting. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he has also worked in residential I've setting. Worked in residential, yep. uh, in home therapies. Yeah. So he, he has experience directly with things like this. Yes. So uh, we figured we'd bring him on today. I've I've known Adam for um, a decade Something or so. like that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, it was just kind of, I don't know, a happy accident, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, the actually autistic... Um, kind of group on Twitter uh, with the hashtag Puppetgate. That was how I saw this, and I just, like I said, just the the image of the puppet alone is kind of what it's <laughs> demonic what, and it's. Oh. I mean, and and I don't mean to. Um, it's not as quality as a Jim Henson style, like <laughs> yeah, like and and it's like I know that Sean Sean Kidd, the puppeteer who or the the artist who designed the puppet, like it's not a bad puppet it's just a bad puppet for this thing it makes like yeah as somebody who's been in this field for a while it honestly offended me when i saw the picture of the puppet it was disgusting it they were making this 
child with autism out to look like a demon. It looks like Chucky from the uh, Child's Play movies. Yeah, it really can, does. We can, we'll get into the puppet in okay, a minute, okay. but uh, <laughs> like before, um, so we kind of we kind of got a little a little sidetracked, but. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, uh, you may or may not have listened to this show before. So the Terrible Book Club uh, is about reading books that we think will be bad. So in this case, we read a play we thought would be bad based on the outcry that we saw on Twitter and on the internet in general. Um, there are there are reviews of this play on YouTube, etc. Um, so we choose something we think will be bad. We read it and then we decide if it really was or if like were we just being judgmental. Uh, did it just have a dumb title but was a great work? Did it have a dumb cover but it was great? Uh, so that that's what we do here. So we took uh, took this play and read it, and now we're going to talk about whether it was bad. Cover on this one is just kind of like... Fine. Okay, okay, hey, I guess there's all in a row, because <laughs> I guess people with autism sometimes have a tendency to line, you know, line things yeah. up or put them in a row, but I mm-hmm. really don't see... Any thematic significance? Oh, or it just happens in the play. That's the only reason, reason this would be the title of the play. Yeah. Uh, also, sorry before we before we get too far ahead, just some content warnings. Obviously, we are talking about um, a child, an eleven year old with autism, who is this the focus of this play. Um, and all three of us, we realized uh, before we started, have kind of been t- taught uh, person first language, yeah. right? Is that yeah. what Adam said? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're gonna refer to. Uh, people in the play with autism or people with autism in general as people with autism we're not going to use the phrase autistic people because i don't know it's like like people find both problematic right but like we were all taught people with autism so right now there are honestly great arguments on each side of this and there are probably listeners here who are more well versed than i in those arguments um so I'm open to criticisms about it, but I do use people person first language. Yeah, so like, so, sorry if that's an issue, but like for practicality's sake, this is how we were all we were all kind of trained out of using, uh, like the phrase autistic people mm-hmm. or whatever. So we just say people with autism. So hopefully that's fine. We just figured we'd address it before you know before mm-hmm. people got mad. So hopefully that's good. <laughs> I mean, you're probably gonna get mad anyway. People get mad at yeah. us all the time. It's kind of it's kind of what we do. We so. started receiving some of our first YouTube comments. <laughs> Oh really? After uploading uh, some of the podcast to YouTube. Yeah, that's getting that's getting fun already. Like we didn't we didn't even do anything. Like the episodes are just there and people aren't listening to them or reading we the descriptions. We upload like 70 hours of content yeah. to YouTube. But like I didn't think anyone would actually find it. Like it's, <laughs> I just it's, put it out there. It's YouTube. Like what, no one who's knows who the fuck we are. No one cares about this show. Like um But yeah, we got we got no people No disrespect to the patrons, please. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm being realistic about our audience and who we are. Like, we're not famous. We're not a huge podcast. I honestly am surprised that anyone outside of our normal listener sphere has found the show on YouTube. Um, Yeah, somebody already made a comment without listening to the episode or even reading the first line of the description, which was hilarious. And I'm just going to leave it there (laughs) and laugh at it and not respond because I have a policy of not responding to dumb shit. So, (laughs) well, let's Um, continue with. I yeah, book uh, summary or content warning. Content, so yeah. obviously, um, you know, we have our usual barnyard language. Chris and I drop a lot of F-bombs. We swear a lot, just how we talk as humans. Uh, but we're going to be discussing um, some violent behavior, a brief sexual assault, pornography, neglect. Of course, ableism will also come up. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot. And the thing is, like, this play it's just... A very short play. There's a little yeah, couple somehow of... Somehow <laughs> in this fucking one-act play, he was just like, ooh, let's jam all this content. Yeah, all this gross content. <laughs> It is really problematic. Like, I was reading this at several times, and I was just like, I, I'm just so mad about it. Uh, there's, 
whatever. We, we'll get into it all, yes. but we'll get into it all. Let's but, do the pre-show. Yeah, yeah. uh, so this is so the summary for the play is thus: Lawrence likes pizza. Lawrence is about to go to school. Lawrence thinks it's okay to wee on mummy's pillow. Like any couple, Tamara and Martin have big hopes and dreams. But when your child is autistic, nonverbal, and occasionally violent, ambitions can quickly become a pipe dream. In a household brimming with love, resentment, and realizations, meet Tam, Martin, and Lawrence's carer, Gary, as they struggle to care for their beloved boy. On the night before social services finally intervenes, who is the victim here? Who was the traitor? And who do you blame when you can no longer cope? Inspired by his experiences working as a carer for over a decade, Alex Oates's new play is a kitchen sink comedy drama filled with heart and French fancies. All right. Wow. I hadn't read the summary until just now, and I want to die a little bit already. Anyway. Uh, so, so I also like that. That's problematic because if he's trying to bring up all these serious issues, why is he like making light of them in the comments? Yeah, I'm a little confused about it being a comedy. I didn't yeah, find anything I, I didn't in this play funny, funny at all. Well, you I get funny it. asides about Disney hentai. <laughs> you know, oh boy, for comedic. So, so, so let's just get right into that porn oh. pornography part because it's literally like when we're like it's like the first or second scene, right? It's like because it opens with Martin. The, uh, the father, the father yeah. talking to Gary, the caretaker that mm-hmm. I guess comes to their house for. And yeah, like, Adam can They're like shooting it. the shit. And also, Gary is basically this guy who is not really a treatment provider, it seems, but someone who comes into the house to just make sure Lawrence will be safe. The parents can't be there, provide them and need a break if necessary, feed him and all that stuff, bathe him. Uh, and there's this scene where he, the father, I think, comes home and he and Gary are just shooting the shit, being cool. And they're watching, like, Lawrence is watching Finding Nemo at the time, and they go back and like, oh, I miss when he watched Pocahontas, because Pocahontas was actually hot. And I mean, he actually uses the, Martin uses the phrase, fuckable characters. Oh, and I was so shocked by this part of the play, because I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Why is this in here? Like, why are we here it's right now? It's really abrupt, whoa. like, he just yeah. brings it, like... Even it's Martin that like brings it up. He's like, "Oh man, it's all over the internet." And even Gary is the caregiver the just wants to get the fuck out of that situation. <laughs> Gary's entire character is to just stand back and go like, "I don't know about that, dude." Like that's he he is like back away slowly personified as like. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have the passage. Uh, yeah, Martin says. If only he'd watch more films with fuckable cartoons, eh? And Gary's like, uh, I suppose. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. That's all um, Gary does this whole play. Is he's just, he stands aside and goes like, well, I don't know. That sounds tough, man. Like, yeah, that, we'll talk about thematic irrelevance here. If, like, if yeah. this guy, what Oates, the playwright, if his real, like, wanted to bring these unseen family's plights into into the mainstream why is he immediately getting sidetracked by talking about disney hentai i yeah i I was really i mean i feel like all it does is serve to make martin more hateable uh which like if that's what you're going for that's fine but something tells me that alex didn't write this play to demonize these parents wait he's hateable because he's talking about disney hentai i think he's trying He's trying to make us sympathize with them. And I'm just going to give like one factual quote about my profession. I've been working in this field for 10 years. I have seen hundreds and hundreds of kids 
who will obsessively watch Disney movies over and over. Never have I said, or someone said to me on the job, hey, do you know that there's Disney hentai too? This has never, <laughs> yeah, yeah. ever come up. Also, he's watching Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. and, and Pixar, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, all Mar- and all Martin can think of is, oh man, I wish that fish was hot like Pocahontas. <laughs> that's, that's what the Little Mermaid is, right? That's, oh what he's, that, that's what he's looking for. Yeah, oh. he, yeah. He's you know actually that's that's the segue. He's like, all right, he's hooked on Nemo. We got to get him to the Little Mermaid, and then we can get to Pocahontas. It's the transition. Ariel the is pathway. probably the cutest Disney princess. So maybe he's there. You go. Um, no, and, and Chris, I didn't mean to say like if you like cartoon sex, you're gross. I just mean that <laughs> to the general public, it is off putting. To, to bring have, it up, yeah. Especially when you're standing there talking, and they're talking in front of Lawrence. Yeah. And and this is another thing in the play that's kind of strange is they treat the autistic child as though he can't understand them, even though they demonstrate in the text that he clearly yeah. understands. That's and- actually like if I could speak to that a bit. That's like a really common thing in all over the field in how people relate to somebody who is nonverbal in that, you know, I all the time will say to a teacher or somebody like, hey, let's talk about this outside or someone even needs to call me on it. Like, hey, let's talk about this outside if we're talking about something a student has done or as a behavior they exhibited, um, it's a violation of their human rights to really do it in their face. And um, oftentimes people forget just how much somebody with autism who is nonverbal will understand receptively, that's what we call it, their receptive language understanding, um, because they're not expressively feeding it back to us. Yeah, and that and that kind of, um, that actually segues nicely into the next point that the book makes, uh, which is the carer, Gary, compares... Lawrence to a puppy and says he's very much like a puppy and there's this back and forth and I mean in the play's defense um even Martin and Tamara when he does bring up these these like Lawrence is like a puppy points even the parents are like don't say that in public yeah which which is not great (laughs) they don't say they disagree with him if you're talking if you remember that he's talking about his experience as a caregiver and the fact that at the top of the play, when it describes Gary, it's like, oh, it's the well-built 20-something. <laughs> oh, did camera. you see my notes? Yeah, he, it feels a little bit of like a self-insert. <laughs> and so for him to have that character go oh, like, wow, wow, they're kind of like dogs, aren't they? Don't. But then the other character goes, don't say that in public. Feels like a way for this dude to slip that in to say it in public without him having to say it in public. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also I noticed. Um, actually, I can just read the, uh, the fucking the character descriptions at the outset uh so (laughs) characters tamara a feisty 36 year old mother martin a childish 35 year old father lawrence an 11 year old autistic boy puppet gary a well-built 20 year old carer (laughs) and and i made the same note as chris is like oh the oh gary's a self-insert gary is alex isn't he um, That's also why he stands to the side and says, I don't know, man. So he has like less culpability on exactly what he's trying to say mm-hmm. with this play. Because I don't, it's a very, sh- it's for a one th- act play. For yeah. them, to, for his, the writer to act like he's trying to say something really deep about this is really, uh, it doesn't work because it's a very shallow take on this situation. Yeah. And I mean, I think. I think the thing that everyone is bothered by, myself included, is that if you are out there and you're going to make a play about people with autism for people with autism, you could have done it. And it could have been 
really it could have been groundbreaking right like yeah. it could have been really great even but this play i kind of wonder if people misunderstand the point of this play because the point of this play is not to show you what it's like to be a person with autism and it's not for you to have sympathy for the person with autism this play is putting the parents on a pedestal and going feel bad for those poor parents with that poor that that autistic child oh there's oh these poor parents autism ruins families yeah. That is what this play is saying. And, and and I mean, his forward, Alex, Alex Oates forward in the play kind of even reinforces that, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I can. Sorry, Adam, I can see you have something to say. Um, so you can you can go ahead and talk. I'm going to find the um, the forward and read to you my evidence, I guess, for that. Um, so like, I feel like one of the things that I've come I've felt over the way I've seen autism portrayed in media over the last five or six years is you have these shows like a typical you have, I mean, a long time ago, you had films like Rain Man that portray these comically endearing people who have who are highly intelligent but a little strange. And that's only one side of autism, and it's a small fragment of people with autism. I mean, I guess the exact numbers of how what their percentage is in all people with autism is kind of unknown. But this portrayal of a character like Lawrence is really non-existent in fiction, except maybe in a few relatively unknown um, pieces of literature and film. And I was, when I heard that this was actually going on, I was, there was a bit of excitement actually for me. I was like, wow, this thing I've experienced is finally getting its showcase, but it really, it, it falls so flat for so many reasons and it fails in a lot. We'll get into all of them, but like, yeah, they make him a puppet, which is super dehumanizing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we will doesn't even have any lines. I mean, I guess he's because he's nonverbal. But at the, I, I, I don't know how to say a lot of the things I have to say besides the fact that if you're trying to present this as a play that takes autism seriously, why would you make the one autistic char- character a puppet that basically is a pizza eating machine that? relieves himself on everything that he has two functions in the play yep. is to eat pizza and, and to pee on things well no no it's to eat pizza and bite because the peeing is not even done by him which we'll get to yes later. <laughs> yeah um, yeah to can... suppose allegedly yeah. so so yeah i mean and and it would be my take so alex oates uh the creator actually i can read from his preface um Lawrence is a character with a level of disability that would make it impossible for him to appear in a play, especially a play like this one. The task of portraying a nonverbal 11-year-old with severely challenging behavior is something I decided to do through puppetry. This has proved to be a controversial decision, and I am saddened that some people have taken offense. And he, I mean, he um, says, like, you know, I wanted to, like, making him a puppet is supposed to be this, like, oh, you know, People with autism are treated like puppets by society. They have, they have no agency. They have their futures dictated for him. Sure. But to say that, like, you're, you've never heard of acting before is a really <laughs> bad crutch to be, to uh, land on. Um, like, saying that you could never find someone to portray a, a violent child is a, such a fucking cop-out. It's like, such a falsity. Like, it's like, acting... Mm. Hello, acting is a huge field. Have you ever, have you never watched a violent television show or another play? Have you ever, like, I, I was so struck by that. And also, if you want to be sensitive to this, there's a huge movement in, I think, the, the autistic movement. I'm not quite sure what this is, the uh, terminology there, for 
um, when autistic persons are portrayed in media for to have <clears throat> it not just be portrayed by a human, but a person with a sa- the same diagnosis. And he's eschewing this all together and ignoring it all and just making it a puppet, which is just and, and a demonic looking creepy puppet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we mean... keep coming back to that because <laughs> you really have to. This is an audio performer podcast, but maybe just Google image no, I'll search. Post, I'll post the image on our Instagram and on the website so people can see it. It's it's not a sympathetic looking puppet that you would want near you. Oh, like, <laughs> Dude, the first version was even to, like, worse. I'm, yeah. The oh, first I haven't seen a different oh, version. Oh, God. It's like it's like. It's like tones of blue and gray and has giant black holes for the eyes. Oh, no. So, like, how did they get this design? Did Alex Oates go to somebody and go, well, here's my vision, and then this is what they made? Well, I don't... Sean, Sean Kidd was the designer, and yeah, he, I think, had gone to school with her or worked okay, with her. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And said so that in the intro, she yeah. did the first version. He was like, hey, that's kind of a little too dark. And so then <laughs> she made the version that ultimately was in the play, which still is not great. Maybe he just gave the character summary of like what Lawrence does, and she was like, oh, obviously it's supposed to be monstrous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I hate to laugh, but yeah, it does kind of seem like that. And it's awful. Um, but yeah, I back to the the casting thing. It's like, sure, maybe casting someone with the same, um, like someone who is exactly like Lawrence wouldn't have been possible. I don't know. I mean, and this is I'm a bit naive on the subject, but um, it would have been very difficult. It would have been sure, but you, um, there are plenty of actors with autism. Was, yeah, plenty that plenty. you could have cast in your fucking play, and not to mention like. I'm sure there was an autistic actor that could have done it and that would have brought um, an understanding to the role that, mm-hmm. you know, even if they didn't have the exact same diagnosis as Lawrence, they have way more of a deep understanding of how all that could go down. And how that you know? affects their lives. And how and... that affects their lives. And, I mean, putting that aside, say say he even did the ableist thing and just hired whoever, he could have hired... Uh, like there are child actors that do yeah. difficult scenes. Like I don't understand this fucking cop. This thing he keeps hiding behind. Like oh, a child could never be thrown over a couch. Like let me tell you, I'm sure there are plenty of child actors who would love to be thrown over a couch. <laughs> like and I, I'm serious. Like it's it's not unheard of. Like the little kid that has to play Liana Mormont in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she had to be like on a yeah. fifty night day night shoot thing. Like, oh, just throw me over a couch and that's it, fine. Yeah, no, I mean, and you that's exactly what I mean. I was so confused by how he was just pretending that acting wasn't a thing. Like, oh, acting isn't real. People don't people don't do things that they can't do in real life. Like, what? (laughs) There's part of it too where he says, um, I've always been fascinated by puppetry or something like that. He does, yeah. Like your fascination with puppetry has any merit in this argument about how people are feeling by your portrayal like it was sort of almost narcissistic uh yeah i mean his his specific words are that um i've always loved puppetry the way talented artists can observe life and distill it into an essence that captures the heart of a human being can often be breathtaking and illuminating it's this spirit i wanted to bring to lawrence to create a portrayal that does justice to his incredibly unique personality while still keeping a respectful distance well, listen, what? listen, buddy, <laughs> shut up. Because if you really felt that way, you would have made more people in the play a puppet and not just the one person with yeah, autism. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I'm, right, that's my rant. <laughs> and rant right there. But like, <laughs> It would also be one thing if the puppet was kind of a bad choice, but the content of the play still was a good observation or take or analysis or look or whatever you want to call it at the situation. But it's not that either, because no. Lawrence is just as dehumanized in the text as he is 
well, and in the, the physical realm oh, of the play. Oh, and here's okay. The the, the kicker for me, like the fucking mwah, fucking rotting cherry on the top of this fucking shit cake, is that <laughs> if you actually Why watch, you put the cherry on top of the shit cake, wouldn't it just be more shit? It's a rotting cherry. <laughs> okay, all right. I want I want to hear this rotting cherry. No, but, Let's go. So so like if you um see any clips from the play or like the interviews they do, um. It's not just a puppet, like a, it's not like a marionette, like, it's not like someone is controlling the Lawrence puppet above the stage with strings, or it's not like it's uh, somebody below the stage. It's, the lower half of Lawrence is a human man, and there's just a human man, obviously, right behind the puppet moving around. <laughs> they cast an actor, like a puppeteer, so the puppet is just, like, kind of growing out of his uh, waist, I think. And so it. It totally, to me, is incredibly distracting and takes away from the very disturbing and serious nature of the play. And I just don't understand. I mean, Adam, you actually brought up a great point, which was, why didn't they just make the whole play puppets? Like, yeah. that would have solved the whole problem, right? Why don't problem, you make right? it a puppet show with poignant, or maybe not so poignant, but attempt to be poignant script. Yeah. And then you would have solved everything. Yeah, I mean, and I, I get, he's trying to say, yeah, you know, Children with autism are treated like puppets by society. Okay, we get it. But, like, you... And here's the other thing, is that he had um, some kind of, like, the National Autistic Society, maybe, in England or something. Equivalent some, of it. Some uh, large... An advocacy society for people with autism. Thank you, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of, like, audit the play and read the script. And, like, I think they... I'm not positive if they attended a run-through or something, but mm -hmm. they asked them to make a bunch of changes and they only made a few of them. And then, ultimately, the society was, like, we can't endorse this play. Yeah. Because the, we feel the puppet is a bad choice. And, I mean, and so many people, so many people with autism were like, what the fuck? The fucking puppet is the problem. Like, is the, ma the main... Like you said, Chris, it's, like, the main problem, although there are a bunch of other fucking problems yeah. in this play. But, like, that's the thing everybody latches onto because it's so visual. It's, like, a huge cold sore on this fucking it's play so like obvious and it like it's it, so i actually right when paris invited me to do this and i like started to do some research i i shot out an email to a, a parent i used to work with uh several years ago whoever made in touch with occasionally who um who has a son who sort of fits uh lawrence's um profile and i was like well what do you think about this and she hadn't heard of all in a row but she was like i mean it, it, her immediate response was is there any other character who's a puppet? This is such a terrible idea. If there were other characters who a puppet were a puppet, I'd actually be fine with it. But I'm not. This just seems mean and dehumanizing and hurtful. Yeah. So the puppet's a bad choice. I mean, yeah. I think we can all. I think for so many reasons, we're it's all a bad choice. Coming down on that. Floor. Well, and and the weird thing is that even after all of the backlash, Alex Oates and some others on the production company have given multiple interviews where they just won't back down, and they just they won't they refuse. I mean, at least from what I've read, I read a couple of them, and That's it seemed my understanding like too. yeah, it didn't seem great. So I'm. Um, I don't know. Some PR school of thought took over in the last couple of years. Oh, that the Donald just, Trump school? That, that to just deny, double down, and just go as hard as you can and f fucking forget about any other method. Or... Um, and so, so, like, all this aside, so if we, even if we, all right, we've talked about the puppet. So, like, now we have to accept the fact that he made this play to put the parents' relationship and the family dynamic on stage and at the center of attention and not the child with autism, which again is like, dude, we have enough media that 
makes the parents of autistic children out to be these martyred saints. And like, I, I don't mean to sound unsympathetic because I, I absolutely understand that, that is a hard life, but there's too much of a focus on that mm-hmm. in my, if you ask mm-hmm. me, and I think if you ask most people, there's almost purely a focus on that and not on the lives of these people of the with people. autism who are nonverbal. Right. And like, we could benefit from learning more about them than than hearing another sad story about parents struggling with them you know it's like we've already heard this before i think though i am gonna if i'm gonna just slightly counter argue that um i don't think the parents of and i might be wrong about this so maybe a listener could correct me the parents of a child with the behavioral profile of lawrence that i haven't seen in media before and Mm -hmm. It's oh, I think that's still a lot less necessary than the person, the person with autism themselves. But I do think there's something new about that. Okay. Um, and so I was able to sympathize a little bit because I've seen, I've talked to parents who have these similar fears and concerns that the parents brought up in this play. Yeah, and and uh, to be clear, like Adam himself has been bitten, stabbed with pencils. Uh, I mean, you, many you, times. You, like, <laughs> like Adam has actually lived through, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of episodes yeah. of violent outbursts and has you know, helped and worked with many children similar to Lawrence. So he has a bit a better understanding of this stuff than we do. Obviously, that's why he's here today. Uh, but just to, just to point out, like, he's not just a talking head. He's not just someone that sits at a fucking desk. Like, he understands. <laughs> um, Thank you, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. what's the next? We we didn't really even get that far into the plot so much as Martin walking in and talking about how he wants to fuck Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah. So that's as far as we got so far. But okay, so again, again, this is this is a one this is a one act play. With thirty minutes in, all our listeners know is that the dad is really into some incredible hentai. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, well, actually, he goes into a pretty decent, a pretty deep description of Snow White and Seven Doors, which is disturbing. Which I don't need to repeat. Um, There's no reason for it to be in the play. They, like, no, I don't understand. No, like, no. it's what it's to like just, be like edgy or, or something. Yeah, it, it just I, seems like a weird edge lord lied to put in. I think he's. I think. All right, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think the playwright was thinking like, oh man, having having a child with autism really really pushes you to the edge. Like, you just break, and then you just want to watch Pocahontas yeah. fuck Snow White. Like. I'm, I mean, I, this is just me trying desperately to find a reason for why this is in the play, you know? Yeah. Well, the later on, and I guess, like, the next beat in this conversation, doesn't Martin bring up his wife, Tamara, her... She is the breadwinner of the household. Uh, yeah, she's like the <laughs> she, con man of the household. <laughs> who's been, like, accepting, what was it, like, in- investor money for 10 years without ever creating a product for the what they're whatever. All right, all right. She's hang, had, on, like, hang, on, hang on, hang on, guys. Hang on, guys. I gotta, I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One of my biggest, my biggest problem with the play that wasn't about the very serious issues surrounding, <laughs> you know, having an autistic child, like, there is this backstory here that I just want to set on fire. It makes no sense. So Tamara, yeah, has been uh, working on an invention for a little over 10 years now. She's been accepting money and they're, they're actually pretty well off. Like it, it reads like Tammy Tamara is just like the the breadwinner that provides for everything. Yep. Yeah, she does. They don't really have to worry about money. They can pay for Gary. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I would point out well a, a family able to afford a caregiver like that is rare. That doesn't happen much. Yeah. Um. Although this does take place in England, so and maybe, not in okay, the U.S., yeah. so I'm not yeah, sure. Fair like, enough, fair enough. not sure if maybe they're better set up for that. But, um. So. 
the the play actually starts out with this like back and forth between like Tamara giving a presentation to try to like sell her invention to someone and um uh Martin having uh, remembered like a tough aggressive incident with um with Lawrence mm. and it, it flips back and forth like every every like line is like Martin yeah, and Tamara yeah. Martin and Tamara and I'm here I'm like reading this play and I'm like all right serious business you know because Martin's side is like pretty serious and Tamara's talking to like, oh, she's an inventor. Okay, interesting. Wasn't expecting that. And then like she talks about the invention and I couldn't stop laughing for like 15 minutes. Um, have you ever wanted uh have you ever wanted like a Fitbit or like a smartwatch with only one function? <laughs> because that's what Take she's a making. Valuable wrist real estate with her <laughs> like, hey, I saw this one I So what it is is it's supposed to be a way to feel a loved one's pulse from afar through the magic of the internet. And somehow it's taken over 10 years and she's still not done developing this thing that's already been invented. Also, the <laughs> prototype is huge. It's described yeah. as like three AA batteries duct taped together over a vibrator. Yeah, they yeah. mentioned the vibrator <laughs> multiple is, times, actually. I mean, there's, there's like pinky-sized vibrators or stuff like that, but that's still a very large <laughs> yeah. thing to be putting on your wrist to feel a pulse. I'm pretty sure I've seen ads for like a wrist-worn metronome that musicians can wear and it can be MIDI synced to like their laptop. That's just like tinier than a wristwatch. It can't be that much harder to send a pulse with like with a like a Wi-Fi thing. A Wi-Fi connection doesn't take well, no, it wouldn't because you'd still be connecting to Bluetooth with the musician wristwatch yep. metronome thing that I've seen ads for before. So all you have to do is connect that to like the pulse of someone else. Like the, the <sighs> clock source is yep. someone's vital sign. Yeah. So all she's done is create a bracelet that uh, sends you someone else's heartbeat, like their pulse. And I was like, this is so fucking dumb. Like, one, this basically already exists, right? And, like, two, so you've just been embezzling money for over 10 years to not create a product to have this fancy life for you and your family? Like, oh, damn. It does. That's pretty bad. Martin refers to her as, like, oh, she's just conning idiots out of their money. I mean, he's right. <laughs> it's, it's like, it just. So even the characters in the play kind of realize that this is a stupid invent. Is that supposed to be relevant too? That yeah, camera well, like spent ten years on nothing. Yeah, that that's my other question. Is like, why is this? Why is this the story? Because Adam, like you just said, you know, families that can afford this and that have all this money are like really the minority. And if you really wanted to focus on parents struggling with a child with autism wouldn't you choose somebody that was like more average like yeah. a family with a more average income level and it just seemed a little strange there's one also other sin of storytelling in that <laughs> which, which sin we've got many so this is her whole 10 year job or something she started like right after she had lawrence assumably if he's 11 she's yeah. been working on this yeah. for 10 That's years a good point but then later on in the play it's not even so she can like feel connected to him she says like i don't even care about feeling connected to him <laughs> yeah she's like it's for it's so i could when i started this it was because i wanted to be connected to martin because we were apart or something and yeah and then later on it like i think adam you pointed this out it's just like a setup for later on in the play it, been yeah, something. it is it is because there's a time later on in the play where mark um sorry where lawrence is about to exhibit some aggressive behavior towards the mom but he's had this heartbeat detecting thingamajig attached to him and like there's like the, su the subtext it's like heartbeat increasing in frequency the, the beeping, intensifies. beeping intensifies it's like know. oh it's just a setup for this Poor, terrible climax like yeah so on top of that it could have you could have even rebranded it as like maybe a autistic like 
violent episode detective, which oh would be God. terrible. Which would be terrible, I think, honestly. But you could have I at least. I, I, I mean, I think that you'd need a lot more than a heartbeat detector to to do yes. that. Yeah, 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 yeah but like yeah, even yeah. at least that would kind of bring it around to like Tamara's trying to connect with her nonverbal son. Oh yeah, and it could have been an easy device yeah. for her to be like, I I want to know what he's feeling. Like, oh but my that's God. not anything. That is such at a great all. idea. It's nowhere in there. Alex Oates, send your next play to Chris so he can reshop it, rework it for you. <laughs> because that's a brilliant that, idea. That, I thought that's what it, it was all going to be, but it's it's not at all even to a be, little bit. To be clear, I'm not saying that marketing the uh, child meltdown detector is a brilliant idea. I'm saying that the <laughs> element... I, I just want to be clear. That, a story I, that's not a great element idea. for the, the, the mother who wants to connect with her nonverbal yeah. son. Like if she was trying to make this as like, a, oh, I just want to know what he's feeling. Which yeah. she describes, says earlier, she's like, oh, well, if he could just tell me. So you can't make the thing you've been working on for 10 years and like the yeah the, the reason your family life is kind of like in, in a bad situation you didn't connect those two yeah maybe right, ever right. oh and also and also um i was i was thinking uh when i was reading this the play references the Makaton system which is like yeah. a, a simplistic signing system so it's not as sophisticated as asl or another mm-hmm. type of sign language it's more like just imagery. I, I had to look this up, and um, which least was surprising in, in the United States or in Massachusetts, Boston area. I have never heard of this. Um, I have had a lot of experience in teaching kids ASL to sign for needing the bathroom, to sign for they're hungry, to sign for I want my mom or whatever. Um, but Macaton was something totally new. Um, maybe it's something in the UK and it's successful, but okay. Yeah. Um. And. You brought up, and when we were discussing this, Adam brought up the fact that like iPads and and stuff are so prevalent, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So actually, if you so want to like, talk yeah, a I can, about... like one of the things that's pretty common now is something called AAC, oh acronym Augmentative Assistive Communication. Something can someone can help me with that. Is it like the thing Coco the Gorilla uses? Use? I have no idea because uh. I'm I, I can't I don't know Coco the Gorilla, but it's By basically. The way, oh shit! I should I didn't mean that to sound. I just literally when Coco the Gorilla was alive. She had a thing where it had uh, she had this like panel with images and she could press them and then it would spit out like words and sentences. Somewhat, it's yeah. a speech generative device where um, you can download apps for your iPad. Where well, that can, like touch chat is one of the common ones that will have icons that say like I and then another one will say want and then it will be like the bathroom or I need food, I need something water, I need a break or something like that. Um, so like for instance, if I'm at work and I have like I'm trying to get students to do academic work for a longer time than they've ever been done before in their lives, which can be a challenge I want to give them, but it's also can be very difficult. And for a student who's nonverbal, it's very difficult for them to let me know when they've had enough and that it's getting too hard but they can be trained to say i need a break with a speech generative device um so i was those are pretty prevalent now at least when resources are available they're pretty prevalent but this family has a fuck ton of resources so yeah so i thought it was really weird after learning about that i was like well they talk about how he's on his ipad watching finding nemo all the time why don't they have something like this where he can just communicate with them i mean the technology is there tamara the technology is there it's been there for a while it's been (laughs) there for a while yeah they don't really seem that engaged as parents. I mean, that's might Martin's there a lot. He spends time at home, essentially being the other half of the caregiving team. No, no, he just smokes weed and does nothing. I think that's what the the play implies, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's. I thought it was a cigar, but <laughs> <laughs> he's. But that's what he's supposed to be doing, I think. And Tamara is resentful that he's not. Maybe, yeah, that, mm. as, as engaged or anything. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Tamara basically comes home from a business trip 
talking about her invention and how that's going. Already drinking wine, already kind of drunk. And she's, uh, it's the night before Lawrence is being taken to uh, an assistive care facility of some kind. Residential. Oh, by the way, I have a point to make out on that. There was like a two day window between the call and him being taken to the assistive care facility. Uh, I don't know how it is in the UK, but it is never, ever, ever that fast here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I imagine there's a lot of checks yeah. and balances. And right? lots of red tape. Like it's, it's, so that was, that was. What, that's an inaccuracy I wanted to point out. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so most of the conflict, I guess you could say, or drama of the play is who made the call to social yeah. services. Martin suspects Gary, even though Gary says, like, I didn't do it. And Martin says he believes him. He definitely still suspects it at some point, for most of the play, at least. And you're supposed to be like, oh, but who made the call? Who is the, the traitor? Because they do want Lawrence around in a way, but then they also don't. So that's kind of the major emotional conflict of the right. play. Right, and it's say. the major mystery. Like, who made the call? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, as basically, like, the scenes in the play are just, uh, yeah, them, Tamara, Martin, and Gary kind of all talking. Uh, there's, I think, two scenes where Lawrence gets upset and then there's the one in the beginning which is like a, a memory yes um and actually adam if you want to talk a little bit about like um the, how you felt those scenes were handled and if they were realistic um i actually thought they were pretty good yeah. um i was uh, i i was i was touched by them at times because i i mean the, there's times i've worked with parents who are you know they they i'm having like they're in my office and we're having conversations and they're just saying you know when we're at home we're we're, we're afraid of our child because he could he, at any moment he could really hurt us or hurt their sibling and those are those are really hard as a professional because you want to be able to offer advice and you need to be caring and you, at the same time you you're not going to be at their home at 8 p.m that night to help them out and uh you know to see the the parents reactions of not really knowing what to do um, and being scared, and there's that scene at the beginning where they're at the park, and I think Lawrence bites another young child. Uh, and there's this really quote I really liked where they say, um, or the father says, oh, they like they went from pity to get my son out of here immediately. They pitied him when they just saw that he was autistic, but then when he bit, they were like, you don't belong here anymore, and how quick of a change that was. And then he has to hold... Lawrence down and he's got him down in a prone position which is face down and they even have a line where they say he's like pushing Lawrence's face into the dirt which is really upsetting and hard to read and obviously those restraints like that are completely illegal now um and you know there are ways to train parents there are many like systems to train parents in what are like official holds so they can be certified to safely contain their child if need be a prone restraint is not one of them um, but at the same time, you know, like y- y- there are parents who just get in. It doesn't look like Martin had that training and it's, 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 it's a system that doesn't have a perfect solution. And, uh, I just, I, I felt that it was actually pretty well handled. Unfortunately, all the while it was portrayed by a puppet, which makes it completely counter argued, but yeah, I mean, and I think, and it's like, I think you make a, you made a good point about, you know, Sure, the holds and the, the holds that are used in the play, like when Lawrence becomes violent, um, the the restraints that are used, mm-hmm. um, are not like not legal, not okay no, to no. do. But we're dealing with parents who are probably not trained, and honestly, like this probably does happen to children yeah. with their parents because the parents panic, even if they have been trained. Perhaps exactly. they could easily that panic and be like, "Oh my god, I don't want my kid to 
uh, hurt another child or, you know, or whatever. So I'm, I just need to deal with this. And that's how that ends up. But the the issue then is that the audience doesn't know that, right? Yeah. So then the audience sees these restraints and these holds being used that are, you know, not okay because they could be dangerous or harmful to yeah, the person with autism. And unfortunately, the audience now thinks like, oh, that's just, that's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Because they're not given mm-hmm. the context that these are, this is being done by people who aren't trained. This isn't okay. So that's the thing that I worry about. I uh, think that's a really valid fear that, yeah. you know, people... You know, you know, people receiving this play might not have that knowledge. Yeah, that's the most of the action of the play is them having that discussion about well, who really made the call, and then kind of going back. Martin and Hammer go back and forth a little bit about uh, how their relationship fails. Yeah, well, whatever. you're not paying attention to this part or th- that thing or thing like that. Lawrence wants some pizza at some point dur- during the dude. Dude, this is this is the thing that kills me is that. Alex Oates, the author or the playwright, whichever, um, talks about at the beginning, uh, like I mentioned before, like how much he wants to bring the soul and the heart and the life to Lawrence. But Lawrence gets no fucking no. screen time no. on this play or stage time. You know, he gets all like you're saying, uh, like Chris just said, all Lawrence does is watch Finding Nemo, ask for pizza, get upset and eat some candy. Yeah. Like, and put it all in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's there's no... We don't get any of that depth or heart or personality. Like, that's all fucking lip service from Alex Oates. Like, because Lawrence is a prop. Literally. That's all he is. Yeah. I mean, and I think the worst, like, one of the worst things is that the play demonstrates that Lawrence understands and can comply with requests and demands of his parents and carer, yet he's treated the whole time like he doesn't, which maybe is just like an accurate depiction of how people like you said you know it, it is, yeah it, unfortunately it often is but like yeah. we don't spend any time with lawrence really it i mean it, he's there but we don't get to learn who lawrence is no. and i just think that was something that made me honestly made me sad in the play yeah. you definitely get to learn about martin and tamra their resentfulness they have towards each other about all the stuff that's built up over time Tamara's is never there Martin's always home smoking weed and watching Finding Nemo with Lawrence or something, so she's a bit resentful of that. Until it all bubbles over when it's revealed that Tamara is the one that made the call to mm-hmm. social services. Yeah, and then that's not all. We also find out that... <laughs> the other uh... twist. So earlier... Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Tamara walks into her bedroom <laughs> and finds that the, the pillows in her, on her bed have been... I believe shat upon. Shat upon. Yeah. Shat so, upon. I think defecated within. De- like it yeah. got into the pillowcase. So it was in the uh, yeah. pillowcase. <laughs> I was sort of confused as to exactly where it ended up, yeah. honestly, too. But somehow. We got shit pillows. The sh- the, <laughs> got some shitty pillows. Yeah. And obviously she thinks Lawrence did it. Well, and, Lo- yeah, and no, and Martin's like, oh no, he did it again. And she's like, yeah, and you know, and he's always like pissing on my magazines and pissing on my iPad. Like, like there's like, this in the into like the DVD. Like, yeah, like you you hear you uh, at the be- yeah the right at the beginning, Martin talks about like all these horrible things that Lawrence has done. But lo and behold, it was twas Martin who shat <laughs> upon the pillow, and also twas Martin who peed on the books and into the iPad charging port. And so, wait, he did the rest of it too? Yes, I didn't pick up yes. that part. <laughs> yes. So, like all the things that Tamara called social services for, except, that except were, for the biting, except for the biting, of yeah. course, were actually done by her husband. Yep. I didn't pick up that part, guys. Oh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that was... I thought it was just that he did it that one time on the pillow. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. no. Oh, no. A a habit. (laughs) 
And oh no! Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. I was telling Paris this so that we were on our drive over here, and I was saying like, so I've been doing this for a while, and I've met a lot of parents, and not that a parent would tell me, but in ten years, this I've never seen this. Like I've never seen a parent pillow shitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm double checking, but it must no, I think have you're been right. Like he I think he right. did it before, and on some occasions. Because you can't be blaming every single pee incident. Oh, of course you can. Because she's never home. And the and the caregiver's there, but he can just be like, Hey, Gary, why don't you go get a pizza? I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then just... Okay, that throws the rest of this play into a real different context for me. Because then Martin's just a horrible jerk, right? Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. That's what I was saying. They're both... Like, all the characters Ugh. are terrible. I thought he was, like, at a breaking point now, but he's just been consistently framing his autistic son. Actually, yeah. right at the beginning, yeah. uh, he says, actually, I started pissing on your books in the battery port of your iPad, your battery. makeup table. Why? A break from playing Xbox? Because I could. Because if you can't beat him, join him. It feels good. I can see why he does it. It's like a I drug. I can see why he does it. So he does it, too. Ah. Uh, I craft the grass stains on your cushions. I graffiti with your eyeliner on your bedroom walls. I start fires with the toasty machine. Turn your hair straighteners on when you're out. Smash your mirrors. I started biting myself to see how it feels. All right. So, so it's all Martin. This for the is most way part. more twisted than I thought. Yes. It was yeah. at yes. First. It's, yes. So it's horrible. It's almost like Martin has all this like unconfronted anger about having uh, a son with autism and he might be blaming his uh, his wife and takes it out on her by framing his own son. That's my analysis. As an I'm not an analyst, I'm a, beha- I'm a behaviorist, but there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it definitely seems that way. And so yeah, and, and I mean, I guess in some ways I think I as a work of fiction, I enjoy that aspect of the plot because I like kind of fucked up shit. But like, if but not in terms of like this is a play that's about autism. Like, no, I don't like that aspect of it at all. I no, think that's a really bad choice. It's stupid. Yeah. So you're trying to make a play that has you sympathize with the situation of the parents, but one of them is a horrible monster that frames his autistic son and. <laughs> Possibly gives his wife reason to ma- extra reason to make a social services and, call. And let's yeah. also point out, really wants his wife to fail in business. Like he's a jerk to her. Yeah, he and, really. Yeah, wants and to on fail. top of that, honestly, she's not great at it either well, with her yeah. ideas. So, like, she's... <laughs> well, no, I mean, well, to to make your point, she, her ideas aren't great, but it's working, right? They've got True. millions of investor dollars yeah. that they just live on. So. True. So, I mean, does that make Tamara the sympathetic character here, despite the fact that she's the one that made? She sucks too, though. Like if you if you she read t- about. She talks to Lawrence the most like a dog. Yeah, we can actually talk yeah. about how everybody... So whenever Tamara's talking to Lawrence, she talks to him kind of like this. Like, oh, mommy's spoiling you. Isn't she? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Aren't you a good... Oh, you're so good. You get a pizza. Like, those are how the lines good are boy, written. Good boy, good, good boy, good boy. It's yeah. really, once again, <laughs> it's another dehumanizing part of the play. And, uh, I mean, if you're wanting to portray her sympathetically, that doesn't work. But I would also say that I've seen that a lot in my career, and it's a really hard habit to wean out of parents and staff. Yeah. So, and, and again, it's like, obviously, representing these bad things is an endorsement, right? Yeah. Necessarily. But I think when you take all the elements of the play together as a whole, it's it's not working, right? Tamara is shitty because 
she feels she kind of has this air of like well i'm rich and i give to all these societies and i go to the parents group and like the everyone like i do every i i am the best version of a mother of an autistic child she kind of has this weird sense of like but i do all these things why is this happening to me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and she also says fucked up shit like oh i just wish i could get him drunk sometimes and like you know, as and Adam had a story I, about that. I once, uh, like years ago, was doing a phone consult with a mom who was like, "Yeah, once the doctor just told me to give him a little bit of whiskey before bed, and he'd go to bed." And uh, uh, and then my, the mom was like, "He didn't go to bed. He just wanted the like the TV to be turned on all night. It kept me awake more than he was before." <laughs> it's like really. Wait, funny. A, a doctor prescribed whiskey to an autistic? That's the story I heard. Okay, uh, I have no to a idea. I have no idea. Like, I, Don't I, go I, see Doctor Wino. He's very, <laughs> his Wait, prescriptions are usually just more whiskey. No, 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 no. She went to Doctor Nick Riviera, right? Oh, yeah, like, Doctor Nick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like, this is this like one thing I heard like years ago that like stuck in my head, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> so you know, I mean, and, and sure, she's she's. I don't want to say working to provide the family, but she's conning people to provide for the family, right? And mm-hmm. she's at least providing some money, but she does have yeah this weird kind of complex, and then and then. She also turns into a horrible monster because uh, she sexually assaults Gary, the caretaker, just He's, because, I guess, that had to be in there, too. Yep. It's it, a, it, sorry to interrupt, but it's just another way for them to be depicted as, like, at their tipping point. At their, they've been driven so far up the wall that she's making wild sexual advances or random sexual advances on the caregiver because he's about to leave yeah because since since lawrence is going away because alex oates wanted to do some moms that he worked with yep probably <clears throat> um so she actually says during the assault please i need to be reminded excitement still exists beyond the rush of fear when he attacks me <laughs> Whoa! Yikes! That's the that doesn't make your skin crawl. Then, like, I feel like Alex is just putting in some of his fetishes. Like, yeah. Just, and, and, <laughs> and like you said, I feel like so these uh, these parents are terrible. And to really sit here and say, oh, I made this play to show uh, that having an autistic child can push you to the point of. Disney anti uh, sexual assault shitting on pillows and destroying a marriage is like okay I get having a child with autism is very difficult but like trying to say that that makes you sexually assault someone or shit on pillows is like bridges that are far far yeah. too far for me you know like I just can't how you get your drama right this is... listen I gotta mix in my Pocahontas milf fetish <laughs> in here somehow right what you know right <laughs> And you know there was that mom I wanted to fuck that one time. So like, gotta write that in. I was too. trying to tie it all in with the Pocahontas milf thing. It's yeah, just, he's got this. What he has a patron artist that he yeah. gives money to <laughs> to draw his very specific. He could, could have gone that direction instead of writing this whole play. And it about wasn't it. only like the mom he wanted to fuck. It was the mom who wanted to fuck him. But he was so yeah. professional that he backed away yeah. and didn't do it. That's, oh, like, that's totally, true. One hundred percent. What this reads like. Because yeah. <laughs> Gary's even like, I have to go now. I'm being the professional. <laughs> yeah, Gary's character is really. Um... <laughs> Gary wants to leave the whole play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He basically wants it and already wants to go. Yeah, like, the Gary character is 
is just kind of a cardboard cutout of a person. He's not. He has well, no personality. You know what's cool about Gary though is that he he's like always, as we've talked about, whenever uh, t- Tamara, Tamara, the, the mom or Martin, the father, are talking to him, he's like, uh, I guess, uh, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. whenever he's interacting with Lawrence, he's like, hey, buddy, like he's being he's treating Lawrence really respectfully, That's and it true. seems That's like true. the only person he likes in the play is Lawrence. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm there I for that. I can't blame him. I mean, the only, the only thing that sucks about Gary, though, is that he did tell us all that aut- people with autism are dogs or reincarnations yeah. of squirrels or something, oh, which is God. just like, That Jesus is his Christ. idea, but, but to make it clear, Gary's uh, hypothesis is, is that people with autism are the reincarnations of animal souls into human bodies. And it's like, it's where the reincarnator made a mistake. It's so awful. It's so yeah. awful. Yeah. I don't know. I I just feel like the um I would be more okay with it again if this was to be like, "Hey, these parents are awful. This is not how you should raise a child with autism." But like that doesn't seem to be actually what the point of the play is. They're so. still remorseful when uh cuz Throughout the whole play, there's sort of this thing that they keep touching upon. It's like, you have to read Lawrence's social story yeah. before he goes to bed oh, tonight. Yeah. Can I talk to you about what social stories are? Yeah. We're pretty bit. much at that point in the play yeah. anyway. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, social stories are, like the 30-second synopsis, are a way to literally write a story where the person you're providing treatment for, the kid, is a character in it. And it's usually to set them up for a big transition in their life. Like, I do it when a kid's going to a new classroom, going to a new school, or um, maybe he's learning to use the bathroom. And it's a way of creating a very easy to understand story with a lot of visuals so they can learn a new skill. Yeah, when I um when I worked at the aquarium, that was something that we were working on to help um help people have more successful visits because awesome. um yeah, there's just a lot of like especially when you're in a place like the aquarium with all this uh stimuli, right? External stimuli. Mm-hmm. It can be really stressful for people with uh with autism, with any kind of, yeah. you know, especially autism. when one of those stimuli is a shark. Yes, a very large shark um, or or large turtle, you know, Um, but and I think we didn't really get into this, but autism takes so many forms like it's not like there's no one size fits all kind of a thing. So and and I feel like, like you said, you know, this play at least show at least has somebody who has a pretty extreme form that is maybe more common than you would think. That's what that's sort of like like if what I try to espouse to people a lot is that. The common the form of autism that Lawrence has, whatever we want to call it, um, is a lot more common than people think, and has been hidden from media because it's not a happy story for people to hear. Yeah, and, because no one no one wants to sit there and have to think about the fact that you love your child, but your child is also really dangerous. Sometimes, yes, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so in that way, it's good that it was there, but I think. I just keep coming back to this, but yeah, as an overall picture, this it's awful. No, yeah, we... yeah. Anyhow, the they're at finally at the end of the play is when the social story is read to Lawrence before he goes to bed for the last time that night, and it's it's a story about Lawrence going into a residential care facility and how he shouldn't worry; uh, be, he'll be okay. Um, this is a big, this is a change that's happening, but his parents still love him, and that's it's a sad moment. Mm-hmm. It's not ineffective. But it's the only time I really feel that there is a demonstration of care about Lawrence being given at all. So it falls a little bit flat on that when, for most of the play, Tamara and Martin are talking about the problems they've been having. Well, yeah, and also that happens right after 
Tamara finds out that Martin's been shitting on her pillows. And also then immediately after that, like probably because they're having an argument, it sets Lawrence off and he has an aggressive episode. And then right after that, they're like, we forgive each other. Let's read the, let's read the social story, the end. And I was like, that does, that does, like Mm. you said, it doesn't work. In a vacuum, the scene was fine. You know, having the social story that would have, that's a fine ending to the play. If it had been a better written thing, and they were coming around to like this is actually the best thing for Lawrence at this point, but because there's no supporting evidence of them, I mean Martin claims to really love Lawrence, and he's mad when he finds out Tamara's the one made the call, but that's about all the proof. I guess also at the beginning of the play when Martin is talking about how it pains him to see the parents how that heel turn in attitude, mm-hmm. but mm. is that more just Martin being embarrassed for himself? Oh, probably. I mean, considering he's the one that's been pissing and shitting everywhere and blaming it on the fucking kid, I don't think he really cares that much about his child. I'm sorry, but you yeah. can't you can't have both of those things be true. Like, yeah, and there is a scene right after the um, well, the aggressive the when he sort of exhibits aggressive behavior towards his mother at the end, and right when they um when they sort of de-escalate the situation, um, they know there's both the parents notice that he has a. He cut his lip. The orange cut his lip, and then you see them be like, "Oh, yeah." He, despite the, the fact that he just attached, attacked his mom, we're we're gonna take care of Orange and tend to his cut lip and make sure he's okay. They get him some ice, and that's that's awesome. I I I, I that's like what I what I think I think parents should do. Yeah, it's like despite what happened, always take care for your kid. But um, yeah. So I mean, that's basically the end. Uh, it's a pretty short play. I think um, the, I remember Adam, you wanted to talk about how. In the forward or the preface, uh, what have you, the playwright talks about he uses terms for autism and learning disabilities interchangeably, and that yeah. does And it also happens in the script of the play as well. Yes. And if you want to talk a little bit about why that I mean, doesn't make sense, that'd it be doesn't helpful. make any sense. Um, like I'm, I'm not gonna get into. Uh, I'm not a diagnostician, so I'm not gonna get into like all the nitty gritty of diagnoses because I don't want to maybe say something that's incorrect. But what I can definitively state is that. Autism and learning disabilities are different things. Uh, Dyslexia is an example of a learning disability or learning disorder, as it's now called. Um, And just the fact that he this was stated multiple times really made me question the level of knowledge that Oates came to this with. uh, And I found personally frustrating. Yeah, I mean, especially since he supposedly has been a caregiver for over a decade. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps there are different. Levels of classifications for caregivers because Adam here, he's the part of the title that you gave was board certified. Yes. Right? Perhaps as a private caregiver, Alex Oates has never, he's just had some basic personal caregiving training and not. Maybe a, not even that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. He could have just, he could just be a person. That's true because a lot of people don't want to do this work. Yep. So a lot of people do not want to be bitten and stabbed and, you know, et cetera in dealing with aggressive children and adults so like it is a tough there are tough rules to fill so it wouldn't surprise me if this person perhaps wasn't um trained as you know as you're asserting your your um your hypothesis is correct he could certainly have 10 i'm not denying that he has 10 years of experience which is valuable you know Mm -hmm. it's not nothing but if you don't have a lot of the context given to you of those situations that you might get from attending some kind of education service based around training you for this stuff you might not get uh, the broader context of things you're just analyzing it. you're seeing it from the clients that you had or possibly even the client you have if you're a long-term exactly and i think you're picking up on a good point in in that what i maybe even suspect is going on with Oates' case and uh, 
if I'm wrong about his background, then I apologize to him for saying this, but um, it's quite often, not quite often, but it is, happens that you have a, a wealthy family who hires a personal caregiver, and it's that personal caregiver is unaffiliated with anyone who actually is well-versed in any sort of treatment methodology, and so they're just like basically there to make sure the kid doesn't like get hurt, doesn't put their hand in an electrical socket, doesn't overeat, doesn't choke, all these things. They're there just to make sure the situation stays safe, which is a very valuable thing. I don't mean to demean it, but um, when it comes to factual methodology and diagnostic criteria, those things don't always mesh up. Or having the context necessary to write a good play or yes. piece of art yes. based around a right. situation like this. Yeah, I mean, and I, I was... Like I said, the language in the in the play and in the forward um, made me feel weird. Like he kept using the term disabled and disability. Yeah. And I've been I've been taught not to use those terms because they're ableist. And they basically what they do is they other people who are not your average yeah. person on like a fucking bell curve, mm-hmm. which is which is not cool. And And so I've been kind of I've been taught to shy away from that language. And it was just so. It was everywhere in this play. Yeah, it's all over and, the and place. I, and I, it started to make me wonder, like, maybe in England things are different. Like, maybe those words don't carry the same connotations. But I can't imagine that's the case. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I don't know either. But I also can't imagine it's not the case. No. But like... Yeah. So I mean, it was it was tough. Um, it's really tough to see this being paraded around as like a play about autism. And like this is autism. This is all okay for like your average crowd, and it really concerns me. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I guess because I I feel like it's having most of the, it's having almost all the same problems that um any other depiction you know might mm-hmm. have. Um, I don't know. It's like it's like part of me wants to be like, well, at least we're talking about it. At least this is happening. But that's kind of a shitty thing to say when so much of this. Like when ninety ninety eight percent of this play is fucking hot trash. Yeah, and it's 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 just not a great play, despite all of its problematic interpretations of autism. It's also just not a great. Didn't play. Didn't have like crazy good dialogue. Doesn't sound like there's any particularly amazing set design, or even the puppetry doesn't even sound doesn't like sound it was great. like high level or. Yeah, I mean, I, I you can definitely go on YouTube and see what you can find. Um, I know that the production company uh put out some um like interviews, and there's like a couple of um short clips of the actors kind of on the set, and it's a pretty basic set. Like it's um oh actually I should talk about this. So I read a couple of reviews and. Um, because you know, and because it is a play, but we can't see it because we're not going to fly to fucking England to see this goddamn play. <laughs> like I've, I've, I spent enough money on this copy of the script. It's more than than well, I want to spend, and that's not even a lot. If you so. make a request to your patrons, can they make that happen? Give us to fly to England. We don't have enough. Uh, okay. Have enough. <laughs> <laughs> we're a small show. No one gives a shit about the show. Bring me back to my original point. No one gives a shit about the show. We can maybe take an Uber to the library. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can. I think we can buy a jet. One of us could buy a JetBlue ticket to like Tampa on our Patreon. <laughs> wow! After a couple months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Patrons, we would never use your money irresponsibly. Please understand. It pretty that. much goes back into buying books like this. Like we spent yeah, the it, money. Yeah. Like that's where. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all it so does. They did pay for this book. Yeah. Um. <sighs> sorry, I got all fucking screwed up. Now, uh, what was I saying? Should... We were talking about the forward and the de- the disabled and learning disabilities. Oh, the versus... terminology, yeah. yeah. Um, I, oh, sorry. I was th- I was saying like, you know, reading a script is not the same as seeing a play, and I understand that. 
but I think I've, I don't think this is like a, we're not missing much. Yeah. This isn't one of those play because that was also, uh, when a lot of people, um, lashed out at the playwright and the production company, they were like, no, you just got to see it. You just got to see it. You just got to see it. And they were like, well, will you give free tickets out for people with autism to review it? They were like, no. (laughs) Yeah. And you were telling me, uh, Paris was telling me earlier that the the way they depict um, when Lawrence is engaging in aggressive behavior is they have like lots of lights flashing, like flashing lights and stuff, is, like this huge panel that flashes lights behind the living room set that they're on, and yeah, and which it's like, to many people with autism could function as a trigger. Um, and and a pair, like I read one review that uh, when someone went to go see it and they noted that there was no readmission. So again, it's like if you have autistic people in the audience or people with autism and they want to take a break, they can't. They're just trapped in a room with the Lawrence puppet and the flashing lights. And that sounds like hell to me. Which, and I'm not autistic. Which, which, by the way, the Lawrence puppet, as we've said, looks like a demon. That's what I can't shy It's kind of like, from. okay, imagine your favorite Sesame Street character. Now now they've died and been resurrected. And that's what you've got. Also, they might have had a meth addiction somewhere <laughs> along the line. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. or been like maybe modeled by the people who created the characters in Mortal Kombat. Like yeah, that. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um... But yeah, I, I don't think we're really missing anything by just reading a script. I've seen some clips. Um, unfortunately, the whole play is not available in video form yet. I'm sure that somebody will sneak a camera in somewhere eventually and we'll get to see it in its fucking glorious Technicolor 3D version. But for now... IMAX um, Yeah. I- <laughs> oh, oh, no. But um, yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. I just hope that this play serves as an example of a horrible mistake that no one should make again. And like, yeah. I hope that that's what this does. I hope this improves plays and musicals and other types of uh, like performance art for an audience that has autism and to also uh, help, help these productions have more people with autism involved. And I don't know. That was another thing about this play. There's like, there's like a lot of back and forth about whether anyone with autism was involved. Like Alex Oates and co are like, Oh yeah, we have, we totally have people with autism on staff and people are like, okay, cool. Name them. And they're like, no. And like, (laughs) if they had people with autism on staff, they clearly didn't take their objections seriously. Cause I can't imagine anybody with autism or anybody who loves somebody with autism, not having intense objections to this play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, they made some changes based on that, whatever that society was that, you know, made some, sorry, I'm stuffy, um, some suggestions, but they didn't make all of the, I I don't know. It just, I don't know what those, what those changes they made were. If it was worse than this, like, 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 uh, yeah, who fucking knows? Oh, it was a longer Disney hentai conversation. <laughs> yeah. They actually showed them Why the audience. Why did you spend 20 pages on po- <laughs> the differences between Pocahontas and Ariel and which one's a better waifu? Yeah. <laughs> and with right. that, that... I don't know that. Okay. <laughs> I figured our discussion has closed, right? Yeah. Like brought it full circle back to yep. my Disney waifus. Begin and end with Disney hentai, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's how we do it on Terrible Book Club. Um yeah, so uh, thank you, Adam, for being here thank today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having for me. For making the trek out here to our Terrible Club studio. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I still have so many negative feelings about this, but I feel like we've verbalized them all. But I still yeah. have the it's, feelings. It's a I, short play, I, so, you know, yeah. it's the, probably not going to be our usual hour and a half long episode. 
Um, so we can thank our patrons, right? Oh, yeah. Because now we have so many of them, I feel like. This is like a good crowd of people here. If this... If this crew showed up at a show, I'd be like, this is fine. I'm glad I set it up. (laughs) Um, Why don't you sound off on who those people might be, Paris? Or would you rather I did so? Oh, no, I can can do that. I was just just (laughs) doing something. No, I I was just making sure we had all of them because there are many now. Um, Sorry, I'm also stuffy because I've been sick this week. So I've, I've noticed that as this recording has progressed, I've become more and more muffled under some kind of mucus pillow so sorry um new mucus <laughs> pillows buy them and they fall up with oh, god okay guys. it's like a kangaroo oh, okay. couch but for your bed oh god i don't even i've heard pillows covered in so many different substances <laughs> yeah, today, but yeah we're yeah. done with pillows i can't look at a pillow the same way again all right well, all right patrons thank you to our patrons oh thank you dari thank you greg thank you will Thank you, Veronica. Thank you, D. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Sina. Thank you, Jakob. Thank you, Torben, aka Duck King. And thank you, Bobby Blackcat. You'll be receiving your free mucus pillow in the mail. <laughs> now no. that we've hit our goal. Well, that's well, that's where we'll put the Terrible Book Club bookmarks inside <laughs> the mucus Just pouch. Just reach in and yank them out. <laughs> Clean, clean it off if you want, oh. or savor the delicious. Oh my god! I just oh, it's another moment where I I just want to curl inside of myself and never unfurl. Um, we hit the goal though, right? Yeah, did- we did, dude. Like whoever, remember when we set up the Patreon? We were like, no one's gonna fucking give us money. This <laughs> we don't have dumb. to think about this. Yeah, and then I had to like redo the structure a couple times because we actually had patrons. I was like, fuck, fuck, oh no. Um, I have to make this actually fair and good. Yeah, no, but th- I mean, thank you so much, all of you. There are now 11 of you, 11 wonderful people who help us read books every month and, you know, put out some social media content. And now we're making bookmarks for all of you because we just hit our $50 a month goal. So that's awesome. We got an email, like a couple emails, like immediately after the goal hit <laughs> that were like, you can send the bookmark here. So I'm really glad people are <laughs> yeah. super into it. Yeah, no, that's great. Um. I do have to try to find a bookmark company that sucks less, though, because the initial one we were going to use, I looked up reviews and the reviews were really bad. So um, I think I found an alternative, though. So hopefully those will be printed and uh, sent out by the end of June. Like I promised, I think that timeline still works. So if we don't have your address, so um, I think if you're if you're like a five dollar a month or less supporter, we probably don't have your address because Patreon will only collect it if you're higher because there's a tier where we like send you stuff. So please get us your address for your non-mucus-covered bookmark, your dry, <laughs> normal bookmarks. Jesus. Where did uh, I pay that extra $3,000 for this? <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, we'd love to hear from you as always. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, uh, email, terribleclub at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube now. Actually, yeah, you can, you can give us maybe some less negative YouTube comments. <laughs> It's fine. I feel like that's to be expected. Oh, yeah. YouTube is just a hive of villainy. Like, I don't know. It's just a mess over there. I don't know what's up with YouTube, but it's it's bad news. I would like to point out that the one video we have with the highest view count is the one that's called Sex in the Afterlife. It's because there's sex in the title. That immediately drew the most views. More than oh, and then the second most viewed one is the Ho Tactics, How to Mind Fuck Your Man into Spoiling Sponsor or so, whatever. So, yeah, we should just start putting, like, boobs wow. in the keyboards. Yeah. Sex okay. Fuck, episode 58, all in a row by Alan <laughs> Disney hentai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keyword. That's going to the keyword. Watch the views 
skyrocket. <laughs> um, anyway, our usual spiel, you know, hey, reach out to us, say hi, um, listen to us on Radio Public, helps generate some passive income from the show. If not, you know, send a... I'm sorry, I'm really stuffy right now. Uh, if not, give us a review somewhere, tell your friends about us, share our shit online, it helps out a lot. How about another podcast that, that you should probably try and listen to a, a little bit, or a lot bit, maybe? Like the... Books, booze, and beards. Oh, is podcast. that the right order of the bees? I you wrote it he, he out. Got right it. Okay, okay, it. good, okay, it. good. Because remember, I'm, remember last time yeah, I didn't know if those were we right. We might have done them a disservice, so we're giving them another shout out here. <laughs> yeah, I listened to their latest episode. They had a conversation about like beard extensions, what? which I did. Yeah, that's a thing that exists, or like beard fillers. So now I kind of, I mean, I've I've wanted to full up my beard sometimes. Maybe I should look into these what's products. Right? What's wrong with your beard? <laughs> It's better when it's like the whole thing instead of just like a. I got a couple patches here. Oh, just, all right, all right. I didn't. Maybe know you I should look into this and make myself feel pretty. Yeah, maybe. Uh, just don't put like fucking ornaments in your beard. That's weird. No, no. It's literally it's like what Hollywood actors or any actors use to like make sure that their beard looks awesome on camera and stuff. Like that. Is it just makeup? Yeah. What well, it, it's it's like astroturf for your face. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm glad that that's where we are. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's Tara Book Club signing off, telling you to get some AstroTurf for your face, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we're done with all our product endorsements. So Uh, yeah, I I feel like I'm probably forgetting things, but I'm so stuffy right now that I need to blow my nose. So I'm sorry, everyone. Right into into the (laughs) fresh batch of terrible book club bookmarks. (laughs) harvested directly oh, i think we have a oh. pillow for you right oh my here. god I have, wait wait i have all right i know i'm stuffy but i have a final story so when i was in high school i did a lot of shit i did theater uh, i was also the managing editor for our newspaper our school newspaper and it was a pretty big school the newspaper was kind of a, a big thing uh and we were trying to figure out way, ways to raise money for the newspaper because it wasn't funded by the school because i grew up in a horrible area where we had no money for anything and uh our our teacher was really sketchy and drunk all the time and he thought that his suggestion was like me and my my like assistant i forget what her title was but the two of us were in the newspaper he was like how about how about you and Lindsay uh, auction off your um toothbrushes and underwear like i'm sure people will and and it was supposed to be a joke and everyone was like oh no so yeah i once had a teacher suggest that i auction off my my toothbrush and underwear you can't see the face i'm making right now but (laughs) yeah 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 we we both like like, just recoiled when that was yeah so so the suggestion that i might that selling my mucus might be profitable not the first time i've heard that sadly in my life well i feel like i'm part of a disgusting club now (laughs) so uh with that We'll catch you later on the Terrible Book Club. It's perhaps it's us that is terrible. <laughs> no, it would, no, I think it was fine. Oh, but, we're um, all great. Oh, what are we kidding? Yeah, thanks, thanks for thanks for coming, Adam. Thanks for being here with us. I'm Thank sorry you that for I've having me. yeah, I'm sorry that I've gotten progressively more stuffy as this has gone on. All right then, see y'all later. Bye, Paris. Yeah, Bye, Adam. See you, Take see care, you next guys. Time. Bye.